welcome to Turtle Tracks Podcast. This is your host, Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with John Jackson, a story artist on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Thanks so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. So I guess to get started, I would love to hear what your exposure was to Ninja Turtles prior to Mutant Mayhem. Did you grow up with them at all? If so, what versions? I'm curious. Um, I. It's funny. I, I am deaf. I felt not qualified in certain respects uh, to <laughs> work on it when I was first starting because there were so many uh, other like turtle heads on the project that were so like well-versed uh, in turtles. I grew up and watched all the shows. I didn't really grow up watching it. I know we had a Ninja Turtles uh like kiddie pool that I was obsessed with when I was probably like two or three. Um, and I think some bed sheets, like <laughs> we, had, we had some swag. I never had the toys. I never watched the show. Um, what really got me into it was the recent um, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Really? Like, oh, awesome. Animated show. I've seen some other stuff and I always loved the the video game and the arcades. Like playing Ninja Turtles was always fun. But that rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated show, the animation is so good. Yes, and that show so, that show is like a little bit, some fans don't love it, but the artwork and particularly the animation behind that show yeah. is so, I, I like the show quite a bit, uh, is super energetic and fun and like it is beautifully animated, that show, really is. The question is, I'm just curious, like, what, is, is there a reason, is there, like, a primary reason why people don't like that as much, that show as much? Um, I think it because it departed a little more than most from the source material. I will say the one thing that, I, I have a kind of a rule for this podcast, but also kind of, like, generally, which is, like, I don't want to have negativity about any version. Like, I, you know, there's, I don't know if you're aware of what, like, there's the crappy concert tour during the early 90s. Like, I love all that stuff. All that yeah. shit. I love all of it. So, <laughs> like, all that's cool. Uh, and I like Rise a lot. It's not my favorite version. I think the reason why it gets flack is because it was a larger departure from the source material. Not even the source material. But, like, a larger departure from what had been up until that point than most people were comfortable with. Like, okay. Uh, Raphael being the leader, Leonardo being kind of the snarky character who's not kind of what he is in Mutant Mayhem, for example. Uh, yeah. Lots of characters and things like that. I like Rise. I think it's animated very well. If I were to say if there's something I don't like about it or I find less comforting is like I don't love when Leo is not the leader. I feel like Leonardo to me. Great character. Yeah. Obviously a great actor. Um, but Leonardo didn't feel like Leonardo. In my mind, yeah. and that's probably the one thing that bugged me most. Um, but I'm also the one who's like, oh, I love everything. And I really do. Um, totally, totally. But like, but there are, you know, people are like, ah, this is destroy the f my childhood people. And that's yeah. just nonsense. There's 700 versions of Turtles. Just don't watch that one, dude. Um, that's sort of my take on it. But there was a, that show got some flack um, for that reason. Um, right. I can see that. Oh yeah. I mean, like that—that's probably the main thing was that. Uh, I, I, but I think uh, I think it's I think it's a fun show, and I think that there's some really great storytelling, and the artwork is really cool. I love the villains in that show. I thought, man, the the I thought Meat Sweats was really funny and weird, right. and like kind of old school playmates, kind of weird villain type thing. Yeah, uh, like Hypno, uh, Hypno, Hippopotamus. I liked him a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bear, though, the Chuck E. Cheese bear thing. I love that character. Yeah. There's a lot I like in that show. Um, maybe the only thing that kind of like sticks with me a little bit is that early on, Leo didn't feel like Leo. And by, but by the time they did that movie, which is very good, yes, Leo had grown into being Leo, which I thought was an interesting okay. way to kind of switch things up. So Cool. Who's the villain who's like makes all the paper? I just remember oh, there was the foot. where they made stuff out of paper and it was amazing. Yeah, the um the foot the foot the characters' names. Like a foot, yeah. It was a foot Yeah, the foot prime or something. It's like the, the two leaders of the foot clan make the little paper 
the paper ninjas, which was a cool take. Warriors or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that show, I mean, from a art animation perspective, when I was uh, you know, storyboarding some stuff at Blue Sky Studios that's no longer around, like I I just remember we were all kind of gathered around someone's computer and someone was like, look at these, someone you know, posted their storyboards from it and here's some uh, finished clips from it. And this is what my son's watching. And I had just never seen like TV animation brought to that caliber in like a while. Really good. It was really cool. Wild. (laughs) So. And and that opening sequence is really crazy dynamic. And there's lots of stuff in there. If people can get past, and I didn't say get past it like it's a thing, but like if, if, Diehard fans, they don't want anything. And to be and to be fair, like the original cartoon, the one I grew up with, like the yeah. seven series, yeah, it's a huge departure from the comic books. The comic books were these very right. violent things, these indie, and then really? the show where there was all kinds of goofy shit, and I love that, and that's what I grew up on. So, like, I would say, in all fairness, the 1987 show was as big, if not even much bigger, probably a departure from what was in the comics then turtles rise was from what existed previously it's just people don't like change especially angry internet nerds yeah. so you know that's why <laughs> yeah departure seems to be a part of a trademark of this uh ip like uh there i mean all of I, this all movie of, was a jump too this this movie was yeah, a jump. i mean yeah some people objected to like the the changes in the origin i thought it all worked i thought it was all yeah. nicely I thought there was tons of respect paid, um, but you know, I think I think fandom, like every you know, Star Wars is probably the most prominent one. But like every fandom has their darker, you know, elements to it. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, how did you get the job on Mute Man, By the way, oh, I it was kind of a f- I don't know. It felt like a fluke at first. I I was like looking for work, and I was on a netflix thing and a recruiter that i know just like recommended me to the team and i thought it was for rise i thought it was for one of the rise movies it was like a a tmnt project and i was like okay like rise is cool but that sounds like really difficult to board on like it was like you have to kind of animate your storyboards Mm. Um, and then i get on a call with jeff rowe and he's pitching me this very you know this seth rogan i guess is going to get involved and it we want them to be like teenagers you know and 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 so yeah it was just like kind of a recruiter connection and then it was a dream come true because they were sort of like we already like your work what do you say And, and uh just jeff's pitch was so interesting and it felt like a a a new take so um yeah i I was really excited about it and i was like yes i I would love to work on this and um so yeah curiously do you remember what the pitch was i mean i know that the teenagers thing is a big part of it and uh, clearly from the final product is there anything else that like hooked you in what he was describing in those early ones oh i mean the only thing that i'll say i mean there were some changes uh from the original pitch to what you see now um i don't know if i'm at liberty to divulge too much because that might play into yeah, a, yeah. a potential yeah, sequel sure. but um definitely the the main thing was he kept saying and i i know he said this in interviews too it's like we always felt like the the word teenage um was the most underserved word of tmnt and so we want to have this be a a coming of age story about brothers with their father figure and kind of like emerge you know kind of like out of the shadows which has been used before but um this movie i would say is like less coming of age it's more just teens being teens in my opinion, mm. but uh, yeah, the, the, that, that was probably like the core of it. And they wanted, they always wanted to have a really emotional connection of, 
with the villain and um, our turtles. Uh, instead of just being like, it's just, you know, a villain and two different worlds. They they always wanted to have some connection. And I think they they changed it quite a bit, but they I think they worked it out nicely with Superfly um, being kind of cut from the same cloth of ooze. And so that the teen element and the emotional element of the, the the villain always was like a part of it and like really caught my eye i guess because jeff like had already written it and thought about it so anyways i mean having them born from the same batch of ooze was very smart i also think there's some really really good storytelling just like really smart stuff uh with having the parallels between splinter and superfly like yeah like those characters had a lot in common and the one went left and one went right on it but there's a lot that was a really good smart way to tell that story which i thought was yeah. really great um and like agree i agree it that came a little later but uh once they found that i think it really helped <laughs> i mean i i know i talked to jeff uh sorry to woodrow white uh recently oh and, cool and he was saying like uh early on baxter and superfly were one character for a long time Yep. It's changed uh, late in the game, generally. Um, but I think that the way they went was smart. I mean, it kind of made the, the rules of the ooze simpler, right? It, yeah. It made it, okay, so animals turn into mutants. We don't know what it does to humans, and that's fine. But, like, every version of the ooze has different rules. So, like, yep. they simplified that really well. Um I didn't mind. Some fans were like, oh, my God, they took away Splinter's origin with the ninjutsu. And I was like, well, I, I think it worked, though. I think, like, Splinter yeah. to me, like, I, I kind of like Splinter as kind of a caring dad. Um, that really, I thought, struck for me. I mean, like, um, he's less Yoda-like, but I like the fact that he's yeah. relatable. And uh, he still kicks ass. There's that great sequence where he's beating up all the TCRI guys. I mean, they did a, I think they really did a good job with the character. And he's funny. Yeah. Jackie Chan is a great choice. Very funny. Oh, man. Yeah, once once they got Jackie Chan, I think there was a moment where Seth Rogen was was voicing uh, Splinter. Interesting. <laughs> Which, honestly, was kind of interesting and, like, good in its own way. But then it was like, we might get Jackie Chan. And then it was like, oh, okay. You know, that uh that's cool and then his voice was just had the, he had this fun like fatherliness that i'd never really heard before um and yeah they they definitely were going for the dad thing and i think a lot of people were missing the sensei splinter yeah. a little bit but uh but i don't know i mean like i feel like it, it, it and yeah. i've seen a lot of that no no doubt the more sensei wise master thing and that's that's great i'm uh, that's uh, that's probably you know that's obviously what i'm most used to but i think like them they, i mean like they never call him splinter they call him dad throughout the whole movie yeah <laughs> i don't think anybody ever says splinter in the whole movie um they never say master splinter yeah oh, that's fine like he's their dad like it's weird right. sometimes where it's like they address it more directly and not directly sometimes it's very strange like obviously he raised them from babies like the right. idea that wouldn't view him as their father is very strange um yeah absolutely totally i also and I that's the origin I, story right like you were touching on you know like that's the one they landed on there was a version where he was maybe a man or he would he learned ninjutsu from someone and then passed it on to them and it gets convoluted yeah, it gets convoluted. It, it, it's tough. That that's that that was so tough. It's like we knew what we wanted to end up with, but how do we get there? And just like a, do you um, have you ever seen? You ever seen the original nineteen ninety movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A long time ago, though, so I'm not like a. That's uh, fine. Uh, so the original origin of Splinter is he's a rat, and he watched his master do ninjutsu. And then he got mutated and he turned into a rat man and then taught the ninjutsu to his kids. Right. That was the first origin story. And there's a part in that first movie, you probably won't remember if you watched it a while ago, this one. But yeah, yeah. like he's a normal rat and he's watching his master 
learning the ninjutsu from his master. And he's a normal rat. He's not a mutant. And he's yeah. learning ninjutsu. And I'm like, I, I love that movie. That is my favorite turtle thing ever. I like it. That that first movie to me is the best turtle things ever, better than any comic book, cartoon, movie, whatever. I love that. Yep, yep, yep. But there's that one moment where a little rat puppet is doing karate chops in his cage. And I'm like, man, I don't buy it. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just some goofy shit. I don't believe yeah. that a real normal rat could learn ninjutsu and then mutate and teach it. Like it doesn't track. Right. There are other <laughs> versions where Splinter's a man first, then he turns into a rat man. And that to me makes yes. a little more sense because at least he was a human being when he learned ninjutsu. Yes. Uh, so this movie's rule about like, okay, he was a rat first, but he learned ninjutsu from old VHS tapes. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It works. Still got ninja in there. I mean, like, it's it's fine. People get too worked up totally. about it. Again, there's 900 different versions of turtles. If this one aspect of it bothers you, like, there's so much love and loyalty to the source material. The idea of people getting pissed off about one or two aspects of it is very strange to me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 tough, and I, I it's it's a matter of like preference, I think, to so many people. And with, with this one, yeah, it was interesting. It was just like, how can we get it to be interesting and appealing? And I guess the ooze landed on affecting animals only, kind of in this. Yeah. Uh, humans don't really mess with the ooze in this movie. There was a there was a version before where the ooze was gonna like mutate humans into crazy animal people, but it just it just where it landed, it's like it's Simple. touching a rat, it's touching some turtles, turns an animal into an animal. It turns an animal into a mutant. That's all we know. So we need to know it's yes. simple. They turn human oh, humanoid, and you're like, I don't know why. Okay, you know, yeah, that's that's what Baxter Stockman and you know, obviously they separated Baxter Stockman and Fly Man, and that was like Baxter still so, felt like his his impact on Superfly is still felt in the story. So it's like Baxter yeah. obviously the story a lot less than he would have been earlier, but like he matters to the story. So. Yeah, yeah. He you kind of care about him. He's not really a villain in this yeah. story. He's a caring influence, which was a cool turn because he was not. I did some stuff where he was a creepy uh, dude who lives in his mom's basement and is is uh, doing the opposite of uh, good. I don't know, like basically doing animal testing. Uh, like a disgraced scientist in his mom's basement and he's and he's smuggling animals and finding animals in these like black market things and he gets an alligator and if you look on instagram some people have some of that an alligator what was that a lot of pictures of him with a little alligator yep like it's he he got it he bought an alligator at this like mob like uh you know black markety kind of thing where they deal with exotic animals wraps it up in a carpet and brings it home and then has his ooze that he's working on <laughs> and so that was a different villain and it was really fun but uh then superfly kind of emerged yeah uh and yeah, i think it worked for the in the carpet thing was that something you boarded yeah i i don't think i've posted it i was a little scared too because i was like yeah. this isn't really like in the movie at all but i'm pretty sure it's on my website so you could just look it up on my site but um yeah it's just him going into his basement and you're just following him uh with the camera and you get to see a little bit into his world and uh uh see all the animals he's got down there and his little environment you know just to kind of give you an introduction to who this guy is and he was a lot creepier <laughs> i was curious about what you guys are allowed to post and not post of same started uh, <laughs> material like justin i just interviewed justin uh justin Renfola, who uh was a character development artist and cool. um he posted like 200 shredder designs and i was like oh like that's i mean it's awesome for me because i get to see <laughs> yeah. better my but I'm like, oh, does that mean that Shredder can't look like any of these things in the sequel? I don't know. It's interesting to me. I, so. I too was like, okay, 
like yeah. I, I didn't know there was some things I was kind of like holding back, but some, some of the artists have been just putting out like all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Great. Like it's work you did on this movie. Generally from what I've noticed, especially on Instagram, whenever a movie comes out, everyone just dumps all their art out that they've been holding on to for the last two, three years, you know, That's cool. and it's a really exciting time, but uh, usually get to see all the alter alts, you know. Uh, yeah, I love it too. Like, I don't know if it's spoilers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what uh, does that mean? The sequel? I mean, who knows? But I mean, like, I love it. Like, the fans love it, and I like. I reached out to probably 20, 30 people who were doing that because I was like, I want to know more about any of this stuff. This is all super interesting. Yeah. So, uh, being a, a story artist, um, yeah. Can you explain what that is for those who don't know? Yeah, sure. I mean. I always just tell people it's kind of like drawing a comic of the movie yeah. before it gets made. Uh, a, an animated movie and live action movies need, sometimes need to be storyboarded, but animation needs planning. You can't just sit an animator with a fake 3D environment and all the things down and just make something. They have to kind of know what the shot is and so animated movies you basically have to make it like five times if that makes sense like it needs to be made on the page like on paper and then through storyboards plan out all the shots and then give into usually a layout department who plans out those shots digitally and then they're given to animators and then, you know, there just keep gets, it keeps getting handed down. So I'm just the guy who reads the writing on the script and it says, Hey, there's going to be a fight scene on a boat with, you know, this is the dialogue. And I plan out shots, little drawings. I do them in Photoshop. And, uh, then I give them to a person to edit it together and put fake sound effects. And if they don't have a ice cube to do the voice, someone else, I was doing Michelangelo's voice for a little bit. And, you know, we, we make, oh, nice. we Frankenstein together a really crummy drawing version of the movie and then pass it down. And then they digitize it, quote unquote. So that's, that's a really convoluted answer. Was that fun? No, that was perfect. That was fantastic. Was it fun voicing Mikey? Oh, so fun. Like, yeah, Jeff was like, hey, do you want to just do like a voice for one of the things? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I I, I have a passion. One of my dreams is to do more like voice acting stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I would just record on my, uh, my phone. <laughs> And Jeff would just get on Zoom calls with me and I would just record and then just email them to him. Uh, but I played him a lot more zany. Uh, yeah. the way I saw him kind of goofy and and he is goofy and zany in the movie, but, it, you know, that voice actor gave it. A chiller vibe. Yeah. yeah, he chilled him out, which was really yeah. cool. I, I thought it modernized him, yeah. Um, yeah. So before we oh, before we get on, we we talked about a few different sequences that you did. Can you can you uh, there's three big ones that you mentioned. Can you talk? Can you tell us what those were? The three big ones that people that you that are in the movie that you sequenced. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the biggest one was for me at least, and probably the most fun one was the it's to that no diggity song. It's the crime fighting montage scene. It's the first time the turtles are really like organizing themselves with April. And so, yeah, you kind of start with April pointing at a map, showing them, okay, we got like six different mob bosses. And I don't know, to describe that, like uh, there have been versions of that. Um, and iterations of it before my friend charlie parisi who boarded on this he's incredible he did that scene uh that where they're talking about uh fantasizing about when they're heroes and the mayor oh will... yeah with the the scratched up the the the, the, the crude artwork i love that part 
Yes, it's totally that, that crude. Feels like someone drew it with uh, literally a ballpoint pen and pencil, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there was a different studio, I think, that handled that scene. Makes it was sense. so freaking good. And Woodrow did like a lot of the art for that, which was insane. Charlie Parisi, though, he's he's hilarious. He's amazing board artist. He had done like a version of this montage where they're like beating up mobsters and making progress and April's helping them and they're things are turning out for them and they're kind of achieving their goal to like get super fly. And I don't know, there've been some other versions and I just, I don't know. I, I guess I, I had the idea. I had just seen the movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. And I was seeing a lot of like interesting ways of cutting and like showing a lot of different ideas and yet making it one idea. And it was hard. I was kind of just like scratching my head, but I, I just thought like, why don't we basically show five fights happening at the same time? Like, why don't we could show scenes from the different things, but why don't we just make it feel like one fight five different people all happening at the same time and cut it to this song because they had already chosen that song or were yeah, using like, it. Did you, did you board to that song? Absolutely. Hmm. Cause like it, it was Charlie had it like boarded to classical music. And then, then in the edit, they did no diggity. And I was like, Oh, we need to edit this like Mickey mouse it like beat by beat. And so I definitely just listened to the song over and over as I was boarding it. And I was like, oh, so they'll open the door, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm not saying this to flatter you because I like the entire movie. I think it's fantastic. That is my single favorite sequence in the movie. Wow. Dang. <laughs> I praise. It's excellent, excellent, excellent. Like it's, it's, I mean, I think the musical choices, the whole soundtrack is great. And I just think like that, I, I'm like, I've seen the movie four times and like each time nice. I look forward to that part. Like I'm watching that part super closely. I love the fact, like how did you come up with the part where the door is open and each time it's a different turtle in the center? What made you want to do that? Cause I love that. Well, my version had Leo in the center every time. Cause Leo's the leader. So sure. the old version had Leo a lot more like kind of like guys, like I'm the leader. You got to follow me. Sure and forcing himself into that so uh, that that kind of changed in the later versions and i'm so glad it was a different turtle every time i thought that was so cool but super cool um yeah i don't know it's like how i don't know I, it's just like how do you convey five fights happening at once I wanted to do like an old boy like tracking shot and then it cuts just like everything everywhere all at once. There's a scene where they're fighting and it's cutting, match cutting, and all of a sudden they're samurai and there's snow and then it cuts and they're in a mall and then they're fighting and then it cuts and then they're somewhere else and it's they're not even people, you know. And I'm just like, well, if they kick down a door, maybe it's just like their version of kicking down <laughs> five different doors. What do those doors look like? Like one of the characters names is normal Nate. I thought maybe he would be a, like in a more normal setting, kind of like a money launderer at like a mattress store. And I've heard that mattress deals was potentially a money laundering scheme. So I was like, that would be fun to like make it kind of like better call Saul. And he, the design team just took it to like a whole separate level of just elevating the art. It just, they made it so good. The, uh, there was a guy named uh, Ugly Augie that they changed, what would I he think. And I, at the, he was the very last, per they, they, they did the character designs and they changed them. They had like, I had like a male Chinese like man in like a Chinese restaurant. He was sort of like a mob boss. And then they made it like this female character with the big glasses. And she was amazing. Like, I loved it. And then there was this ugly Augie, but he was really handsome. 
That's funny. And he's like a fishmonger, pro, you know, down on the docks and he's got fish guts all over his, you know, apron. And, you know, he's this like, but he's like this beautiful man, <laughs> you know, he's like cut. And, and at the end they're like, wait a minute, like you're ugly. Augie? Like, are you sure? Like, he's like, yeah. It's like, why did they, you know, the, the, the turtles are like kind of confused. Um, and I can't remember what they did. They, they had a different design, uh, and the guy looks a little bit more like a rat. Um, he had like this teeth and stuff. But anyways, just had fun with it, iterated on it, and uh, part where all the bosses are rising to point at them is really cool too. The way they brought that into one action that was super cool. Yeah, that that um, I didn't think they were gonna keep that part. Yeah, that's in your board. I was gonna say that's that's super like that's. I'm I'm watching it right now and loop from the Instagram and it's like directly in there the part where they're like the boss is rising. Yeah, super cool. Want to like slow mo <laughs> like get them you know, or whatever. Yeah, the, the so the science scrolling thing. Some people thought it was like either inspired by or at least in in their minds reminiscent of like the kind of side scroller video game thing. Was that totally. intentional? Was that intentional on your part? Or just, I saw a video that was like, that's an Oma, that's an Easter egg to the video game. And I'm like, hey, I love that. Was not my intention. But there were absolutely other scenes um, in the previous versions where they were, there was a lot more TCRI like infiltration scenes. Mm, interesting. And I remember one scene, they go down an elevator and we totally were like, how close to the video game can we make this? You know, like, uh, and just so that video game art was always like in the in the headspace so maybe unconsciously influenced me but for me honestly i was thinking a lot more about old boy and everything everywhere all at once but i love that people are tying it to that and i'm obsessed with that video game so um i don't think it's a bad connection <laughs> um, like i said that that part is so good and uh you also worked on um the uh bowling alley right yeah yeah and thanks so much i just really appreciate that you enjoyed that scene it, it, i didn't even know they were gonna put that mob scene in the movie i didn't find oh, out dude, like i said it, it's I, i'm I, not there's so much fun stuff in the movie but like i mean the, the musical choices of this were really clever because it kind of linked the turtles to the 80s early 90s yeah without hitting the nail on the head like these this music suits them Right, like, no diggity is a great example. ODB is in there. Like, you got really great shit that makes sense for the characters for the, what they're trying to do, and it doesn't feel like you're forcing in nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's some fun nods in the head too. Like, Vanilla Ice is in there for 15 seconds. That's super cool for five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that. That's cool. But like, the the soundtrack was a really smart way to do that. And I think like this to me was like great song choice, great action to it. So I I I, I love that sequence. It's super good. So that's awesome. I love that. That's all Jeff Rowe right there. And I think Seth Rogen too wanted some pretty cool music choices. But Jeff, man, he it, that old school hip hop was always in there. There's certain songs that didn't make it, but it was always a part of it, you know, and I, I mean, I, I go, I go back to the first movie. I credit uh, 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 Partners in Crime with that. I mean, that first movie yeah. had that Turtle, the Turtle Power song and uh, I think since then yeah. that is the music that says Turtles. I think that that's yeah. the era that makes the most sense for them. So, it's, I think that's kudos to them for choosing this, because I don't think I don't think anything modern would work. I don't think anything older would work. That, to me, that era of music is the Turtles. That's interesting. I, I like that take on it. I, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't think of it that way. Like, uh, if it would have been different, you know. But, but uh, yeah, it always seemed to fit uh, what, yeah. what they were going for for New York. It felt New Yorky too. So. Definitely. What about but, the uh, bowling alley sequence? What was? Is there any highlights from boarding that? Um, man, I. I think there was always the thought. Um, I don't know if I can take credit for it, but I definitely wanted to incorporate some cool blacklight stuff. 
I, if you look at my boards, it's not like it does. You don't see it. I usually when you do storyboards, it's just black and white and grayscale just to get through it. You're doing so many drawings, but I was like, this should be like uh, um, after six p.m. at the bowling alley when they turn those black lights on, yeah. and then it gets crazy and they're playing the music, you know, and the everything starts glowing. And the art department took that uh, Yashar and some of those artists took it to another. I, I keep doing another level. I, I feel like I keep saying color, that on this spot. Color choices and all the stuff in the movie are anyway are crazy bold. But that scene in particular, like, man, it looks awesome. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it because I hadn't really seen it till I saw it in theaters. And I was like, wow, this is wild. Like. I don't think I've ever seen this in animation before, like 3D assets being um, taken in such a saturated, crazy way, you know, and um, it almost, I think some people would shy away from it because it would be like hard to see. Um, but anyways, all I'll say about that was it was super fun. Jeff, uh, again, always has great ideas coming in and he's he's just like this is kind of the turtles like finding their cool cousins you know the, yeah. this is like i love that like we have new siblings like this is awesome and like what do mutant people do for fun and maybe they're a little rough and they're it's like when you maybe meet your cousins for the first time that you didn't know on like one side of the family that you don't keep in contact. Yeah, they're like they're they yeah they're more like aggressive than you planned. Yeah. That's yes, like they're your like kind of crazy cousins that maybe yeah. you're like you were raised a little bit more carefully and they like break stuff and like <laughs> that's really funny. You know, like are spraying like water everywhere and you're you know or whatever yeah. that is. And so they're they're like, like to wrestle in the yard and it's like oh wow this seems dangerous like yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> totally it's like geez like um these kids are nuts and i think the turtles are supposed to feel kind of liberated like oh my gosh like these guys are kind of free they 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 live in a a crazy kind of unhinged way and it's like fun and and we might even be stealing the original version had a human <laughs> I was like, just like, so in your boards, there's a waiter. What, what was this yeah. poor guy doing there? He was like, like Jeff had written in, like, like uh, Superfly had a deal with him. The part is, there's this waiter serving them drinks, and they're all kind of like, you know, he's sort of like their little manservant. <laughs> and Superfly is like, and I think in the context of the movie, it would never work, because, but in maybe the old version it was sort of basically there's a scene like a part later where april calls and goes leo like what's going on in there like um and uh the the little manservant dude who's like works at the bowling alley basically reveals that he uh he has a like he lets the mutants come in after hours and use the place. And the deal is he lets them do that. And then, and Superfly, they don't eat his family. <laughs> like something really, really dark. He's like, he's like, yeah, we, me and this, yeah. Superfly says me and this guy have a deal. He's like, the deal is he doesn't eat my family. And then just walks away like wide eyed. And you're like, and Leo's like, oh my gosh, like April, this isn't a place for you to come, you know. This isn't they're not cool with humans. Yeah. And that just got simplified and it it all got I mean, elevated. It's, that's super funny, but it is just simpler to understand. They just break in after dark. Exactly. Yeah. It's just simpler. Just that's, break in. that's very funny. No, totally. It was a funny line, but um I love where they took it and Jeff wanted it to feel like I think the very end of the movie Boogie Nights where it's a, a tracking shot oh yeah it feels like you're at a house party and you're walking around and you look in this room and you see some conversation and then you keep wandering and then oh they're doing this over here and and so i had fun just you know mikey's bonding with uh what's his name uh, mondo gecko and and then you're kind of getting out of the way as like 
a giant, you know, Ray Filet walks by you and you go, oh, you know, and and then, you know, the Bebop and Rocksteady are like ripping apart this game and Raph is so excited because they're like violent like him. And um, anyways, uh, loved it, had fun. And the last thing I'll say is I was just really, I felt very, I don't know, for some reason, the like one of the weirdest happiest victories for me was that uh they included the part with the bowling ball where super that's a cool moment they made it cool you know like i just had the idea and i didn't again you don't know what they're gonna like really pick and like keep because yeah. i wrapped on this movie in december of last year you know yeah. and then they kept working on it and finishing it and you just things change and that's just the nature of the game but Superfly's talking to them, and then I, I had it. Yeah, he walks over and grabs the bowling ball, and he's sort of s telling them about his plan of like turning, you know, all the animals and mutated. And and then as he's talking, he's sort of looking at the ball, and the it sort of glows in the dark, and it sort of shimmers. And uh, you've seen the movie obviously several times you could hear they they edited in almost like people screaming and like it's it gets kind of creepy as he's like looking at the bowling ball um and then he says a line throws the ball and then it kind of knocks all the pins down sort of sim hopefully symbolizing like this ball of ooze is going to take like end the world maybe and take everyone out so to speak and they kind of kept it in and i just i i was just stoked and they made it like look really uh menacing and they just elevated it so anyways cool like i'm very happy about that oh he's holding so it's such a cool yeah like it's such like it's, it's very smart visually like that's such a cool moment i love it like it was really interesting in the movie and like in boarding here this it's exactly the same thing it's so cool you yeah, you just kind of throw out ideas, right? You're just like, yeah. yeah, wouldn't it be cool? He's in the bowling alley. Maybe it's like the earth, like you said, and he's looking at it and kind of it, it to me reminded me of like I don't know. I remember loving an image of of the X-Men villain Apocalypse. He has a he was I just remember this like drawing I used to copy all the time as a kid of him holding a globe crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Um, and you know, just stuff, just little things that. But you never know if they're gonna keep them, and then sometimes they keep it and make it look even cooler than you thought. So, um, one other thing I'm curious about that scene is what I like yeah. about that scene is sort of the interesting pairings of Turtle and um the other mutants, like Mondo and Mikey, of course, but also Raph and Bebop, Rocksteady, Donnie. <laughs> So, like, did you get to make those choices or were those choices in the script? Because that's super interesting to me. Yeah, no, that's that's a great observation. Um, that was definitely in the script. Okay. Um, Mondo was a character in development. He was always kind of like, yeah, bro. Like, they always wanted him to be this, like, uh, whoever that kid is in the Burger King. Um, <laughs> Do you remember like Burger King had a marketing thing where they almost created a Ronald McDonald mascot for like the kids meal and it was like a they were kid vid kid vid exactly yeah, it is yeah sure I was like you would know yeah, I know kid vid is. yeah 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 they kind of wanted him to be like kid vid like that's hilarious he's 90s cool he wears those oh yeah he's very dated cool he's very yes. he's very yeah and, and then, I think this version, he's more like hippie. Sure. But I don't, you know. That's super cool. I just love all the strange, odd couple pairings of those. Raph kind of digging Bebop and Rock City is very funny to me. Like, there's some cool, there's some. Totally. No, I mean, it It was all Jeff and the writing. I think he wanted to give them arcs and it helped to pair the turtles off. And so Mikey and Mondo were always kind of like, had this connection. And Mikey always feels very apologetic later when they are on opposing sides. And Mikey's like, hey, man, we bonded, bro. And he's like, I know, but like, we're, 
I'm kind of with this Superfly guy. Sorry, you know. Yeah. And Donnie always in the old versions bonds with um, Wingnut over like anime. Like they like love. Oh, like, that's cool. Sure. Yeah. Like anime and like music. The crocodile. What am I? Leatherhead. Leatherhead and Wingnut are always kind of a pair. Um, that just, I think it just helped with the writing to just kind of, yeah. kind of pair them up. Um, and Leatherhead used to be kind of like, uh, <laughs> you couldn't understand what she was saying. Because <laughs> uh, her Australian way of talking was always so thick. And uh, he, uh, Leatherhead would say something and everyone would kind of go, oh, like, do you know okay i don't know what they you know she just said but but that's a cool observation uh that's definitely jeff's writing just uh helping us connect to them through the turtles i, I guess um and it made it more fun and specific of those villains was there anybody I, I don't know is there characters in that like when you're drawing like that are there characters that are more fun to draw than others in the same way that oh I don't know if it's the case. Totally, totally. I mean, yeah, I think you look at certain designs and you're like, oh, this is going to be really fun to draw, right? Like, um, yeah, the, the, the mutants are always really enjoyable, like, to draw. I love draw, like, that's a good question. I just love, like, wingnut, uh, we did a lot of scenes where wingnuts flying around and it's just fun to see what she would do with her claw arms. Um, sure. And I love, I don't know why I, uh, Genghis frog was always a little unclear what Genghis frog's character was, but I just loved drawing Genghis frog. <laughs> He's just, like the design's nuts. And I love it. Like it's such it's, crazy it's head. <laughs> yeah. It's just the head of legs. It was great. Yep. <laughs> With a giant axe, like he was always just like the old school and the toys and stuff. He's just carting this huge axe, and I they have him talk just you know a little bit with like Hannibal Burris, but in the past he just used to not talk and just kind of like uh you know blink his eyes out of sync or like a frog. Oh, um, no, all the all the designs are fun. Um, really are. Woodrow and the rest of those guys like designed some amazing, cool characters. They really did a nice job. I think everyone was like, cool, Woodrow, yeah, like these are incredible, but of course, this isn't going to look like Woodrow's designs in the finished product. Like, usually it gets sanded down and yeah, changed. And then it didn't. <laughs> and then they just they just made a, a they somehow figure out how to digitize Woodrow's insanely like fun style. And I I just thought that was amazing. I'd never seen that before. Usually it, it gets I think uh, the fact that like it makes style. turtles look like like it makes this movie look like no other. Like some people compare it to Spider-Verse, and there's I mean there's some parallels there, but Spider-Verse and what's great about Spider-Verse is it's it's super polished. Like the Kirby crackles in there and all this other cool shit's in there. And that's great. And Spider-Verse is beautiful looking. But I think like this movie looks a lot different because it looks like concept art. Like I've yeah. seen so many movies I've, I've I've seen, like live action and cartoons. The concept art looks way more interesting than the final product. And the yeah. stopped there made something that looks like nothing else. Like every other character, like every franchise, minions and anything Pixar and all that, like there's much more polish on all of that. And I think to see that this is such, it really separates the movie from anything else out there. Yeah, no, thanks for saying that. I um, I think a lot of, and, and a lot of us feel the same way. It was just like, and it, um, Mikros, I don't know what they figured out, but that um, they did that uh, SpongeBob uh, feature film, 
that I don't feel like a lot of people saw. I'm not really sure, okay, but I, they did I, a, I Yeah, but they they did this uh, feature length SpongeBob movie. I cannot tell. I can't remember the full title, but it is all CG, and um, it has this two and a half D look where it it feels like it's okay. It's a three D movie, but it's stylized in a really cool way and it, it seemed like that like helped them be able to pull off this like girls mm. look that still feels like a painting in so many shots and then obviously the backgrounds in a lot of cases are literal paintings which Perfect. i think helped a lot but no spider-verse is incredible everyone knows it it just blew everything up for everybody in the best way possible and yashar who worked on spider-verse who's like the art uh guy for this he always said which i love he's just like after spider-verse there's no more excuse like hmm. you can make 3d uh you can make your movie look like anything you want like there's no more uh excuses that you're like limited by technology like <laughs> like cool. that's a really cool way to look at it that's really a... do pretty much anything now which is yeah anyways i mean and that's that's cool because i mean like it, 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 it spider-verse is cool because like it, it it doesn't it didn't have that sameness to it that like you know and i i i, I love pixar and all that but i mean like you know if you were to pair grew with the guy from up like they wouldn't be that strange in the same yeah group. like it could work <laughs> yeah like it's not that different uh and once in a while pixar would change it a little bit and it'd be a little more like a little more adventurous but like all those characters could probably and then there's a disney polished all that stuff too right but like this movie feel like the spider-verse kind of changes that where it's like you can do whatever you want and this movie i think is in turtles is a huge way in a product of that because it's like Okay, Spider-Verse may have kicked down this door, but like you're walking like this movie clearly walks through it and says, We're gonna look like our own thing. We're definitely doing our yeah. own thing. And you can't you can't put Baxter Stockman, this horrible looking man, next to Elsa from Frozen and think oh. it's the same universe. Like this yeah. is wildly <laughs> offensive to put those characters yeah. in the same room. So it's it's Literally. very it's true. You can't, I mean, no one's face is uh is this grammatically correct? No one's face is symmetrical. Yeah. Um, there is zero symmetry, uh, like, in this movie. One of the newscasters, she, her face is, like, cut, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, I love it. It's, you know, all, and the crowd characters, that's another Woodrow thing. And, of course, all the art people. Uh, this is a great, you know, sometimes, like they always say in anime movies, the crowds look a little computery, and they just look like, kind of like uh just like the same they all just look sort of like human people yeah. or not a, like computer people and this is not the case i don't think in turtles uh th like the people look like very specific characters and uh the guys in the chop shop and the you know just everyone's a little gritty looking <laughs> and it's great yeah. And, it, I mean, on, and go back to it, like it really makes sense for turtles and what back I've interviewed like all kinds of different turtle people on this on this podcast. And like one of them was or a few of them have been people who made the original toys. And yeah. one of the rules was on the mutants, especially was characters can't be symmetrical. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> like literally like a lot of the toys of old characters, like one hand would be like a humanish hand. The other hand would be like a trunk. Or like a like a like an elephant's foot. Like <laughs> they made a point to have asymmetrical characters. So like I I don't I doubt that was anywhere near the thought process. But it there because the turtles has so much history art wise. Like there does it does make a lot of sense to have the turtles in this style and be represented. Yeah, very cool. It's a great point, and I do know Jeff was very like probably one of the biggest inspirations for this movie was the toys like oh that's cool to, i didn't know that that's interesting wanted to really carry the the craziness of the toys uh the the throw up like or just yeah, the, the grossness. yeah 
That's right. Yeah. There's a low browness to some of those toys that I think he was. Oh, yeah. There's Muck Man. All these characters are just these horrible monsters just made of slime and garbage. (laughs) There's like bugs and shit all over them. Like there's all kinds of characters like that. Scumbug is a great example. So. It's all the toys like they were going to have Muckman and then it, or maybe for a second. But then once they started to put Scumbug in, they're like, oh, Scumbug's a really fun character. Uh, and just never really Scumbug never really left the movie. Uh, I think Scumbug was initially a TCRI experiment gone wrong. That's funny. And then she's she became a she and then she's kind of a part of superfly's gang and then the romance which i love her and splinter is so fucking funny (laughs) i love that some people were like i think that is hysterical it's crazy (laughs) yeah i think some people were like offended that that would happen to their splinter like (laughs) doing like making out with a cockroach my buddy texted me he said i love the movie it was so awesome except for splinter making out with a cockroach i'm like (laughs) yeah I get it. Not for everyone. <laughs> uh, I think I'm all set here, dude. The last thing I want to ask you, which is what I asked for everybody, is who's your favorite turtle and why? Oh, um, ooh. That's that's actually such a hard question, but it, it always um Raphael, like if I'm looking at the going to the store and I'm like I've been trying to debate which toy I want from this movie, from this they're selling them all at target i i just love the size i love raf i always liked his scenes in this movie michelangelo is a very close second for me but Raphael is just such a fun character cool yeah dude thanks again for doing this thanks for boarding that the no diggity sequence because it's awesome thanks for doing this i appreciate talking to you thank you so much i i uh thanks for taking this time and i'm just so glad you enjoy it and are bringing so much hype to this project and there's so many great artists that worked on it so yeah uh my pleasure man this was really fun to chat yeah my pleasure i, I said i reached I, I wanted to highlight the work you guys have done because it's it's great so thank you well thank you man now this is a blast take care all right yeah take care yo trade drop the verse it's going down, fade to black street. The homies got at me, collab creations bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, a dog couldn't catch me ass out. Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet, giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies, Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shakers. Shutting it down, good luck. Baby got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around Cover much grounds, got game by the town Getting paid is a forte Each and every day, true play away I can't get her out of my mind Wow. I think about the girl all the time wow, wow. East side to the west side Pushing fat rides, it's no surprise She got tricks in the stash Stacking up the cash Fast when it comes to the gas By no means average It's on when she's got to have it Baby, you're a perfect 10 I wanna get in Can I get down so I can win? I like the way you work, kid No diggity I got to bag it up, bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up girl. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. No diggity. I got to bag it up. She's got class and style. She knowledge by the time. Baby, never act wild. Very low key on the profile. Catching feelings is a no. Let me tell you how it goes Curves the word, spins the verb Lovers it curves so freak what you heard Rolling with the fatness You don't even know what the half is You've got to pay to play Just for shorty bang bang to look your way I like the way you work it 
drunk tight all day, every day. You're blowing my mind, maybe in time. Baby, I can get you in my ride. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up, babe. I like the way you work it. No diggity. Class from New York City to Black Street. What you know about me? Not the motherfucking thing. Cartier wooded frame sported by my shorty. As for me, icy gleaming pinky diamond ring. We bees to buy this click up on this scene. Ain't you getting bored with these fake ass broads? I shows and proves, no doubt. I've been thinking so. Please excuse if I come across rude. That's just me. And that's how a play it's got to be. Stay kicking game with a capital G. Ask the people's on my block. I'm as real as can be. Word is born. Faking moves never been my thing So Teddy, pass the word to your nigga Chauncey I'll be sending the call, let's say around 3.30 Queen Pen and Black Sheets I like the way you work it No diggity, I got the bag it up No diggity, I 